You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now about to witness the strength of fantasy knowledge. Fantasy Sports Radio Network, you are now tuned in to the speeds and spitting statistician on Fantasy Freestyle. Up next on that cypher, the mic. On the microphone, you know that I'm one of the best yet. Dane Martinez. Ah, you know what it is. This is your boy, Dane Martinez, Speeds the Spittin' Statistician, and you're listening live to the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. For the first time in a long time, I got my boy Frankie Stanford with me on the ones and twos, helping me blow up like a Samsung 7, so hot that we sweat steam. And as you know, you can check us out on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Get that app, get that audio boom, that Stitcher, that Google Play, and now all across the country, we're making it happen. I'm very excited about today's show, not only because I got Frank Stanford with me on the ones and twos, but we're going to be doing a lot of good things. I got a great guest for us later on in the show in studio. We're going to hear from Tomic Gross, who produced the Sleepless in America documentary for National Geographic. If you've been listening to Speeds the Spitting Statistician, you know that I care about these West Coast to East Coast flights, these back-to-back schedules. Well, Tomic is going to join us a little bit later on in the show, and we're going to find out the actual impact. Let me tell you something. He's going to be talking about some studies. Absolutely incredible. Benny Riccardi and Tony Sincata, they need to understand this for their DFS lineup lock. I'm telling you, some real good information later on. As usual, in this last week of the preseason, before we hit opening day this Sunday in Major League Baseball, Speeds, the spitting statistician, will preview and give his spotlight on a team today. It is the San Francisco Giants. And also, as you know, we are getting down to it when it comes to the TV Greatest of All Time tournament. So we got some matchups in the anime region to preview as well. If you want to hit me up at any point this hour, you can do that at 844-843-6879. Follow us at FNTSY Radio. Follow me at Spittin' Speeds. We're going to give you everything you need to win your league and win that cash. But we get started with, as always, top five that are alive. I want to start with a couple of news and notes from Major League Baseball. Like I said, last week before the season, and we have found that the Dodgers pitcher Julio Urias will start the season in the minors. Okay, a lot of people thought he might have made that opening rotation. Speeds was not one of them. I think he, uh, he I thought he was going to start in the minors. He is going to start in the minors. But I tell you what, I like this move because these new young kids, what winds up happening is they have an innings limit on them as they're, you know, stretching themselves out. And I would hate for you to have Urias on your team and then he hits his innings cap right when you need him in, uh, you know, July or August competing for a fantasy baseball championship or playoff run. So uh, keep your eye on him. He will get called up, I'd say, right after that service time is up. Irvin Santana will be the opening day starter for the Minnesota Twins. I don't know if that's good news or bad news for the Twins. Yeah, I think Irvin Santana is a rosterable pitcher, maybe as an SP4, but the fact that he is the opening day quote-unquote ace for the Twins does not bold well. We have another opening day start announcement. This one for the San Diego Padres. Yulis Chassin is going to get the start for the San Diego Padres. Let me tell you something right now. Anybody that uh, just realized that Major League Baseball, the slates are now live on FanDuel and on uh, DraftKings, I'm telling you right now, my opening day slate will be 
stacking some Dodgers against Chassin on that Monday slate. Carlos Rodon looks like he will start the season on the DL. He got a second MRI. Good news is that they showed no structural damage, but that original diagnosis looks to be correct. That is bursitis in his arm. He will probably start and miss most of April on the DL. We have a trade in Major League Baseball today as well. The Tampa Bay Rays, they get Peter Borges from the Chai Sox for uh, the player to be named later. And I got to ask you, Frankie Stanfield, how do you feel about the infamous player to be named later? I kind of I kind of wish I was a player to be named later. No. Well, Dane, we can't trade you. Uh, you know, Fair you can't enough. be part of any trades. We need you around here. I appreciate that. Now, Monday through Friday, 7 to 8 p.m. here on the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, Frankie, we got some news and notes in the NFL as well. It looks like the Saints are taking a long, hard look at Malcolm Butler to see if they want to maybe uh, try to acquire him via trade or ready to pounce if he does not sign his tender with the New England Patriots. And you know what? I realized the Saints and the Patriots have had joint practices, you know, in training camp for the last few years. And then what do you see? You see the trade of Brandon Cooks from the Saints to the Pats. I think Bill Belichick is using this strategically to get a good look at some guys that he may target in the future. I think it's an interesting strategy. Keep an eye on which teams have joint practices once we head into August. For the Indianapolis Colts, Chuck Pagano has said that getting a young running back is paramount as they look to the NFL draft. It makes me wonder if they will spend a first round pick on someone like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette. I'm even hearing some reports that have Alvin Kamara running back out of Tennessee in the front first round. I like it. I'm telling you, I think that's cool. But if I'm the Indianapolis Colts, I'm looking to build up that defense and I'm looking to build up that offensive line so Mr. Andrew Luck can be up all night to get lucky. Interesting, though, I will say this. Jim Ursay gave some quotes, owner of the Colts, uh, yesterday. He said that it is not, I repeat, is not a win-or-else situation this year for head coach Chuck Pagano. I kind of think it should be. I mean, they fired the GM in this offseason. Andrew Luck is entrenched as the highest-paid player in football. So who else's head will roll if the Indianapolis Colts do not impress like I think they need to in that imminently winnable division that is the AFC South? Over in Baltimore, uh, Mr. Harbaugh says that Terrence West is his lead back, that right now Terrence West is his number one back. I think he's going to be in a committee, but Terrence West is probably the first guy you want to get in Baltimore unless it's a PPR league, okay? Don't forget the Baltimore Ravens signed Danny Woodhead from the San Diego, I mean Los Angeles, Superchargers in the offseason. Danny Woodhead is a beast in PPR formats. And if you remember, Kenneth Dixon, the young promising back, rookie back last year, was suspended. He's going to miss the four first, the first four games for violating those performance-enhancing drugs. He got suspended there. Also in the NFL, Ryan Tannehill, they're reporting, has no restrictions. He'll be fine going into OTAs. They say he feels like 100%. Remember, after that, what looked like a pretty gruesome knee injury late in the season. As we keep it moving, Vance Joseph, new head coach of the Denver Broncos, has come out and said that, listen, this Tony Romo stuff is a quote-unquote non-issue. Okay, They like the young developing quarterbacks they have there in Paxton Lynch and, of course, the starter out of Northwestern, Trevor Simeon. So it looks like they're going to go to war with Simeon, see if they can develop and bring Lynch along that Tony Romo is a non-starter. We keep it 
in news for, uh, you know, I guess on the decline quarterbacks or backup quarterbacks. I don't know if you saw this, Frankie, but uh, Jay Cutler is un- currently unemployed, but it does not seem to matter because he's enjoying himself. It looks like uh, if you check Twitter, you may have seen some uh, pictures of him uh, on the beach showing his bare ass. How do you feel about that, Frankie Stamfel? I actually haven't seeked out these pictures. You haven't seeked them out? Come no. on, you're not following this. What's his wife's name? That Christian Cavalieri? Is that her? I, I think know, that's her. She she's like a model. Like Laguna Beach kind of yeah, girl, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what they do on the beach. But here's what I'm thinking. It brings me to our first poll question of the day here on the Fantasy Freestyle. It made me thinking, you know, you got Cutler in the news, Romo in the news. Now that free agency has sort of settled down, there are a couple of quarterbacks out there that don't really have a seat now that the mu- music has stopped. So the first poll question today on the Fantasy Freestyle is, who would you prefer your team go get as a backup quarterback if it was obvious to them and the money was there and they knew that they were there to be the backup for your team would you prefer jay cutler would you prefer tony romo or how about this what about the uh, blacklisted colin kaepernick obviously the nfl owners have done something aligned and around um with uh you know 45 to uh basically shut him out if geno smith can get a job i don't see why kaepernick can get a job or Is it my boy RG3 that you would want to maybe bring in as a backup? That's the poll up there right now. You can check it out at FNTSY Radio. We want to hear your thoughts. We'll be checking in on that throughout the show. Keeping it moving here. Top five, dead or alive. You're listening to Dane Martinez here on the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. My next topic. Now, we know the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas. We've heard about this already. I personally think it is a sad day in football because that is a fan base that has been so loyal with the black hole and the silver and black, whether they were in L.A. or in Oakland. Um, But check this out. This move to L.A. is going to have some ripple effects. I'm sure you've heard when you think Vegas, you wonder, well, why haven't they been in Vegas ever before? And obviously the answer is because of the concerns around potential gambling and scandal and point shaving. You've heard of these things. Now, it's not only the players, though. Okay, there was an article out there. Did you know that NFL referees are not allowed to even go to the city of Las Vegas as soon as the preseason starts until the end of the Super Bowl? They're not allowed to set foot in Las Vegas for fear of perception and of scandal. Well, they're going to have to change that rule as the Raiders have moved to Las Vegas. But I got to tell you something. I think that whole perception is absolutely ridiculous. This rule has been around for a long time, and people thought that we shouldn't have a team in Las Vegas. I'm going to tell you something. I'm a lot of things, but I am not concerned about that. This is not the days when, like, you know, when, when the mob was controlling Vegas, you know, this was not Hyman Roth and that sort of stuff in Vegas. Let me add, let me tell you something. In these days, if you want to gamble, you can use that new thing called the interwebs and you can still gamble. It don't matter where you set foot. And I got to also tell you, listen, what are you worried about? Visiting teams coming and wiling out in Vegas like you can't get anything done in New York City, in Los Angeles, in New Orleans, in Miami. These are all cities where players, young players, rookie players can get into some can, some dirt. I got to call it, shout out to the unicorn, hashtag personal responsibility. If these athletes, whatever control they have, whatever that locker room is, this should not matter. I am all for 
the Raiders, you know, or a team moving in Vegas. I don't think we have to worry about like what concerns might happen. Okay, I do feel bad for the um, Oakland Raiders fans because now for the next two seasons, as the Raiders are improving, getting better and better, they know they're in essence lame duck fans. And I saw a report today actually that they realize that and they may move to San Antonio as an interim home. Okay, as a temporary home for the 2018 and 2019 season before their stadium is ready in Las Vegas. If you want to talk to me about this or any of the moves that we've mentioned so far, holler at me at 844-843-6879. But let's keep it moving here. Top five that are alive on the Fantasy Freestyle. The uh, Wooden Award finalists in college basketball have come out. Uh, the All-American teams have been announced. And I think it's interesting that there are very few players from teams that are still playing. I think that part of what happens with this one-and-done culture in college basketball is that if you have anybody who like actually is nice and is still there, they are in a position where they can dominate some games. The only person who is on a team still playing is Nigel Williams-Gross out of Gonzaga. This is a guy who got 16.7 points a game, 5.9 re- Rebounds a game, 4.6 assists a game, Um, you know, All-American to be sure. And the only All-American still playing, uh, only first team All-American, shall I say. Other Wooden Award finalists are Josh Hart out of Villanova, 18.7 points a game, leading the defending national champions from the guard position. Caleb Swanigan out of Purdue. This guy, 18.5 points a game and 12 boards a game for the Boilermakers. A lot of people thought that was a team that maybe could have made a run. Frank Mason leading the Kansas Jayhawks with over 20 points a game. And then, yes, that team is rounded out by Mr. Lonzo Ball from UCLA, leading the second highest scoring offense in the country, almost 90 points a game UCLA, and rated by Draft Express as the second best overall prospect for the NBA. You hear that? You hear that, LeVar Ball? The second best prospect. Don't get it twisted, though. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Mr. Ball a little bit later on in the show when we put the fun in functional sports radio. The second team, though, has some people still playing. Dylan Brooks out of Oregon. Watch that. Yesterday's show, Donnie Burns and I talked about Dylan Brooks as a wingman. Uh, My comp in the league is Jimmy Butler. Someone who's a big kind of guard but can play the wing. Watch out for Dylan Brooks. You got Justin Jackson out of uh, Carolina who is still playing on the second team along with Josh Jackson, Luke Kennard, and the true stud out of Kentucky, Malik Monk. Last thing I want to tell you here on Top 5 Dead or Alive on the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You know, our new president has done away with a lot of traditions and a lot of... um, institutional memory to be quite frank but there is one tradition that will remain monday opening day in washington dc it will be 45 throwing out the first pitch at the washington nationals home opener i'm all about this tradition i don't care what you feel about the president i think the president should be able to throw out the first pitch but it makes me wonder he got four percent of the vote in washington dc I wonder what's going to happen in that crowd. I will say this. You know, at least it'll be a huge crowd. It'll be a sold-out crowd. There will be no debating the crowd size on this. But, you know, and Bryce Harper last year was trying to make baseball great again, you know, bringing a little bit more fun. He was trying to do that. So I wonder, but the biggest question I have for you, we all know about 45's hands. Do you think he can palm a baseball? 
That's my question. So if you want to talk to me about any of that, holler at me at 844-843-6879. When we come back, Speed Spotlight today is on the San Francisco Giants. We'll preview the Giants. It's not an even number year, but I still think they can make a run. All that and more fantasy freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. This is your boy, Dane Martinez. You're listening to the Fantasy Freestyle on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I got my boy, Frankie Stanford with me. He's got the bell. I don't know. We may need to use it a little bit, Frankie, in this next segment. Because, listen, I've been giving people what they need to win their leagues and win that cash. But on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, there are so many ways to get ready for the fantasy baseball season. Let me tell you something. If you have not done so already, you need to go out and get the definitive guide to fantasy baseball by Benny Riccardi, Frankie Stanfill, Dane Martinez, a lot of people. There it is. We wrote those chapters on it. It's doing pretty good. We're going to not uh, give you a fish, but teach you how to fish. So go out and get that. You could also get, you know, Joe Pispia with the fan- fantasy black book and more. Check it out. The RotoExperts.com exclusive Edge Fantasy Baseball Package for 2017 is here. Stay ahead of the competition with in-depth articles and insights from our award-winning analysts. Prepare for your draft with our new and improved Cheat Sheet Generator. Get access to fully sortable projections and over 800 player profiles. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at checkout for a special discount on the RotoExperts.com exclusive Edge Fantasy Baseball Package, okay? So many ways to get what you need to win your league and win that cash with the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I want to talk a little bit about the San Francisco Giants. My man, Frankie Stanfield, feel free to chime in the way I've been doing it because, you know, I know I, it's, been, it's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you, Frankie. But um, what I do is I first look at the offense, a couple of people I might want to spotlight, a couple of people that I think are good and rosterable, where I think you need to get them. Then I turn it to the, uh, you know, to the arms, rotation, bullpen. I give people a... Um, you know, I give people a diamond and a fugazi. That's how we do it on the Fantasy Freestyle. I'll tell you who's the fugazi, who you need to forget about, and I tell you who the diamond in the rough is. Then, because I need to give you what you need to win your leagues and win that cash, another way to win some cash is on these baseball over-unders for the win totals. So I'll tell you what Vegas has as a win total for the Giants, and I'll tell you what I would do with that. So let's start it off, though. San Francisco Giants, let me tell you something. This is not a powerful team, okay? The guy, Brandon Belt, led the Giants last year with 17 home runs. That is not a high total. Eduardo Nunez was second on the team with 16 home runs. Granted granted that Mr. Pence did not play a full season. Granted, Buster Posey had a little bit of a down year, but that's what I'm talking about. This is not a, you know, big-time offense. Like, for example, I'm previewing the Seattle Mariners tomorrow. They have like three or four guys that hit 30 home runs. That's not what you're going to see here with San Francisco. And I got to start with Buster Posey himself. Now, listen, I know that everyone like automatically considers him the top catcher. I don't know if I'm among that group. Okay, did you know last year he was actually the fourth rated catcher? He was behind Jonathan Lucroy. He was behind Evan Gaddis and his 32 home runs. He was behind Wilson Ramos, who had a bounce back year for uh, what was the Nationals. He's now going to be with Tampa. So I also think that now 
Posey has sort of gone into a tier. He used to be the standalone best catcher out there. I'm telling you, I wait a little bit longer. I will not be the guy who starts the catcher run or who drafts the first catcher. And I got a league cup. I got a draft coming up in literally an hour. I'm telling everybody in my league, I will not be drafting Buster Posey. He's in this tier with Schwarber, with Gary Sanchez, with Luke Roy. And here's the other thing. Buster Posey has had five straight years of playing over 145 games. This kid is not a kid anymore. I think there is some attrition there. I remember last year saying the same thing would happen with a guy like Salvador Perez who kept on playing, who played into the postseason. And I honestly think it is starting to impact Buster Posey. His 288 average last year was the lowest average of Buster Posey's career. When you're drafting Buster Posey, you're expecting him to hit 320. That is not the case anymore, okay? So I'm a little bit fading Buster Posey. Brandon Crawford led the team with 84 RBIs. Let me tell you two reasons why I like Brandon Crawford at shortstop. One, he's going to be in the five hole in this lineup, in my opinion. I think he's going to be hitting in the middle of the lineup, and there are not many shortstops out there that hit in the middle of the lineup, okay, that will have those RBI opportunities. He's probably going to be hitting right behind Pence in that lineup. So I'll tell you, I like Brandon Crawford. If you miss out on that top tier of shortstops, the Lindors, the Seegers, the Correas, the Bogarts, those guys, Brandon Crawford is not a bad option. I see him as a top 10, top 12 shortstop for sure. I also want to talk about Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence played in only 106 games last year. Played in only 52 games in 2015. That's after a stretch of like six or seven years in a row where he did play 150, 160 games. So I wonder about him as well. Um, Last year, he had a 348 BABIP. That's batting average on balls in play. That That's kind of what helped him to a 289 average. 348 BABIP. My boy Frank Stanfield knows that is not sustainable year over year for a guy who's not, you know, not a leadoff hitter, not a ground ball hitter. I think that's going to regress a little bit. I think there's no reason why you couldn't project Hunter Pest to a- actually fall back to about a 270 average. And with that injury risk, he's slated as kind of like a third outfielder. I would rather take an upside flyer, a young kid on the come up, then a guy like Hunter Pence. However, this rotation is good stuff. Okay, um, Madison Bumgardner, you know about him. Johnny Cueto, you know about him. These two are about as solid as of, of a one-two as it gets anywhere in baseball. I'll put those two up against the Mets' top two, up against the Nationals' top two, up against the Cubs' top two, or anybody else you want to name. Give me Mad Bum and Johnny Cueto. The question I have, and I want to bring in uh, Frankie Stanfield here right there, is when you look at the number three and four pitchers for the Giants, Frankie, we're talking Matt Moore and we're talking Jeff Samarja. Which of those two would you prefer this year, Frank? I'm a Jeff Samarja guy. Really? Yeah, I'm not in on Matt Moore. I mean, I've seen enough out of Matt Moore that I know who he is. He's always going to have a high whip. He walks a ton of batters. Yep. You can try and sell me on the strikeout upside, but look, I've seen him pitch long enough. He did the same exact thing when he came to the National League last Mm -hmm. year. The walks actually went up, so I'm not in on Matt Moore. He's never really been a guy for me. I just think too many injuries, they've taken their toll on Matt Moore. Jeff Samarja, I feel like he's kind of underrated. Like, on a consistency basis, it might not be there start by start, but at the end of the year, you know what you're going to get out of him. A 3.6 to 3.8 ERA. Uh, He's going to have a lot of volume. He's going to go over 200 innings pitched, and because of that... 
he's going to get you 170, 180 strikeouts. So I, I think that Justin Marge is actually a guy who is underrated for fantasy purposes. All right, all right. I'm going to take the other side. I think Matt Moore is slightly underrated. I know you talked about how he moved to uh, the Giants in the middle of the season. I think now at a full off season, I think moving, first of all, to the NL, going from the AL East to the NL West is nothing but fantasy goodness in general, right? Great ballpark, too. Yeah, the ballpark change is a lot better. The offenses he's facing are a lot better. I think he's going to wind up on some of my teams, not as a stud that I invest in, but as one of those guys that are going to be around. Remember, I like to make a murderer's row. I invest heavy in offense. So Matt Moore might be the kind of guy that I think with a full year and in new ballpark, new league, I mean, also going to the National League, facing the pitcher. And, and when I look at the different ADPs, I mean, Moore is going sometimes 50, 60 picks after Jeff Samarja. So I think that that provides a little bit of value. Keeping it moving, though, I also want to talk about Mark Melanson, their closer. Okay, now, Melanson is a guy, listen, he's going to get 30 saves this year, okay? I'm telling you right now, he will get 30 saves. But unlike most closers in the majors, he doesn't have, like, what I would call, quote-unquote, like, closer stuff, pure strikeout stuff, okay? I love his ratios. He's coming off a 1.69 ERA, a 0.9 whip. You gotta love that. But in your closer, I expect a better K rate. This guy only 65 strikeouts and 71 innings pitched last year. I'm looking for guys that have more than a strikeout per inning for my closer because he's one of the, you know, he's one of the, you know, first or second tier closers. If I'm gonna spend that draft pick or spend that money in an auction, I want a guy where it's not only the save opportunities and those ratios, I want a guy that's going to be striking out more than a batter per inning. Let me give you my diamond in the rough for the San Francisco Giants, and it is Eduardo Nunez, okay? I like a lot of things about Eduardo Nunez. Frankie, I'm going to give you three of them, and you tell me if I can convince you that he might be a little bit of a diamond in the rough. I like that he's eligible at third base and that shortstop in more formats. I like that multi-position eligibility. I'm not drafting Eduardo Nunez high. He's a diamond in the rough. But when I'm trying to get guys later on in the draft, I like having some of that flexibility. Let me also tell you this. Did you realize that Eduardo Nunez was one of only five players in the majors leagues last year that stole 40 bases? Now, Frank, I know that you have been saying that there's been, you know, a a dearth of speed. You know, it's not like it used to be. This guy stole 40 bases last year. I don't think he's going to get 40 this year. I think he's going to maybe get 30. But out of the players that did steal 40 bases, only Jonathan VR had more home runs. Eduardo Nunez had 16 homers, 40 stolen bases. The only person who stole above 40 that had more home runs than that was Jonathan VR with 19. And here's the last thing, Frank. I think Eduardo Nunez is going to be their leadoff hitter against lefties. I don't, you know, Denard Span is probably their leadoff man against righties, but against lefties, I think Nunez could be their leadoff man. A lot of potential, a potential there. I think that's an interesting DFS look against lefties when he's at the top of the order. I can see people using Eduardo Nunez. Did I sell you, Frankie? Yeah, I like all of those points. I was actually going to say we could set the over-under at stolen bases at 30. I think that's a good I think that's place a, yeah. to start with Eduardo Nunez this year. And another thing, you know, people might look at him uh, playing in San Francisco and say, all right, he can't hit home runs there. But if you look at it for a right-handed bat... Hitting towards left field right, at AT&T park. park is much better than hitting towards right field because we know that it gets much deeper out there. So, you know, I think 
he's not going to get 16 home runs, but we get 10 to 12 out of him. I certainly think that's possible. Yeah, he could he could easily wind up with uh, you know 13 and 33 steals, which is which is you know not easy to find. I got to tell you that with eligibility at multiple positions, my fantasy fugazi, the person you need to forget about on the San Francisco Giants, in my opinion, is Brandon Belt. Listen, I think that you know you heard the term post hype sleeper, whatever the inverse of post-hype sleeper is, I think that's Brandon Belt, okay? I've heard a lot of hype for the last one, two years. Oh, Brandon Belt is going to break out. This is the year we see power from Brandon Belt. All that got him last year was 17 home runs. I don't think he necessarily cracks 20 again, and at a first base, I can get that wherever I want. I can get that late in the, I can get that late in the draft. Kendris Morales, I can get that out of Greg Bird. And part of the reason that people were liking Brandon Belt is because he ran a little bit, which you don't get out of a corner infielder. However, from 2015 to 2016, his stolen bases dropped from nine in 2015 to cero. That's Spanish for zero in 2016. So without his speed or the potential, I got no reason why I'm spending that much on Brandon Belt. Vegas says that the San Francisco Giants put the over-under at 87 and a half games. Frankie, would you take the over on the under on the San Francisco Giants at 87 and a half? God damn. That's That's a good number. It's a good number. I'm going to tell you something. I personally, because, and this is mostly to be honest, because I am not as high on the Los Angeles Dodgers as most people are. Okay. I think the San Francisco Giants can be slightly over that. I can see the Giants being one of those teams that are competing for whether it be the division against the Dodgers or the wild card against teams like the Mets, like the Pirates, like the Cardinals, you know, other teams in the West. I think they're going to be competitive all year, and I'm going to tell you the truth. If they get into the playoffs... I would ride Mad Bum and Johnny Cueto. I think they could do a little bit of work. I'm high on the San Francisco Giants. I don't think they're going to you know, win more games than the Cubs in the regular season. I don't think they're putting out 95 wins or anything like that. But I can see them winning 88, 89, 90 games and then be making noise in the playoffs with a leader like Posey and arms like Bumgarner and Cueto. So there you have it. That speed spotlight on the San Francisco Giants. When we come back, I got a guest in the studio. It is Mr. Atomic Gross, the producer of Sleepless in America on the National Geographic channel. We're going to get into all the impacts of sleep and why this may be the new market inefficiency in fantasy sports. You're listening to Dane Martinez, Speeds, the Spitting Statistician. You're listening to the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. what it is. It's your boy Dane Martinez, Speeds, the spitting statistician. You're listening to the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am overjoyed right now to have with me for the next segment, Tomic Gross. He was the producer of Sleepless in America on National Geographic, where they went into kind of a little bit on the science of sleep, the effects of sleep, quite frankly, why it's so important that you get to bed tonight and get that full eight hours of sleep. Tomic, my main man, my good friend, how you doing today? It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, listen, if you've been listening to, whether it's Shot Calls or Fantasy Freestyle, if you've been listening to Dave Martinez for a while now, you know that I talk about this. I talk about, you know, the West Coast teams flying to the East Coast for 1 o'clock games in the NFL. We've been talking, it's in the news big time right now, the NBA schedule and the impact of back-to-back games. A big conversation right now on teams resting their players. You know, these assets, these commodities that these human beings actually are. So why don't we start from the beginning? 
what do humans need when it comes to sleep? Um, you know, I, I hear eight hours of sleep, right? But, like, is that the same kids, adults, old people? Like, what is it that I actually need? When do I need to go to bed tonight? So, in the year that we spent making this piece, we yeah. spoke to you know, all the leading experts right. on sleep science. And it does turn out that for adults... 90% of us need seven and a half to eight hours of sleep a night. Okay. Kids need a little more. Okay. Uh, as you're a teenager, it kind of starts to taper off, and we all kind of even out at seven and a half to eight. Now, there's 5% of us that can do with less. I think I'm part of that 5%, because, like, I never sleep. There's 5% of us who need more, like Ooh, nine hours. I'm not part of yeah. that. All right. All right so, so, obviously, that's some of the stuff you've heard, but, like... What can go wrong? You know, like if I'm a right. finely tuned athlete, right, 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 right? And I'm worried about, you know, how I go to the gym and what right. I'm eating. Yep. You know, sleep is also a part of that equation. That's what right. what are the risks there? What is actually in my performance? Yeah. How might that be impacted? So originally all of this research was done about drivers, let's say doctors, right. let's say new parents, people who were short on sleep and seeing what kind of effects, you know, short sleep had on them. Yeah. And of course, just like everything you know, people turned to sports and started to really look at sports. And the mother of all of these studies was started in 2011. This woman, Sherry Ma, at the University of Stanford, and she decided to do a study with the Stanford College basketball team. Okay, and what happened there? So what she did was she she took four weeks of data of them mm -hmm. with their regular sleep schedules, and then she took seven weeks of data with what was known as a sleep extension study. So they were supposed to be trying to sleep for 10 hours a night. Really, they were getting more like eight and eight and a half. And compared to the four weeks that they were sleeping, you sure. know, their regular schedules, studying, staying up late, hanging out, uh, their shooting accuracy improved, right? Mm. As well as their sprint times. But the really shocking number was free throw percentage increased by 9%. Wow. And their three-point field goal percentage increased by 9.2%. That's legitimate data. That's real Legit. important, right? Yeah. And you mentioned, so, you know, you talked about it in the college level. You mentioned, uh, you know, off air before we came on today, you told me that um, Andre Iguodala on the Golden State Warriors, yeah. he actually had a dramatic change, yeah. right, and started thinking about this himself and saw a noticeable change in his game as well. Yeah, so Andre Iguodala did something interesting when he first joined the Golden State Warriors. He was a guy who was self-professed, pretty bad sleeper. He would get super hyped after games. He right. would stay up. He'd play video games. He would be, you know, too pumped up to go to bed. Okay. And when he got to the Golden State Warriors, he teamed up with one of these uh, technology companies that measures your sleep. Okay. And he recorded his sleep over the whole course of the season and released the data on what he was doing during a game on a good night's sleep, which again, mm. we're talking about seven and a half to eight hours yep. versus a bad night's sleep, which is really six hours or less. So on nights that he slept well, on average, he had a 9% increase in free throw percentage. Wow. He had a 2% increase in three-point percentage. So consistent with the Stanford study, right? Yeah. A 45% decrease in fouls committed. Oh, that's really interesting. So maybe yeah. he's like more alert or more focused, not making what they call silly fouls, that's that sort right. of thing. That's very, and that leads to more time on the court. That's that leads right. to more production. Okay, interesting. And a 37% decrease in turnovers. Okay, and clearly. And more time on the court. Yeah. He had a 12% increase in minutes played. So you bring up a very good point. One of the things you see across all these sleep studies, people who are short on sleep, whether you're driving a car or whether you're in a 
elite athlete, mm-hmm. your decision making, your split second decision making is impaired. A lot of studies, of course, as you would imagine on driving cars, because people are sure. very concerned about safety. Sure. But in sports, especially the level that these guys are playing in, you know, these these things make a big difference. And there's an even better NBA study. Go ahead. Lay it on me. Uh, uh, an anon- anonymous player. An anonymous player. 2015. Okay. Yep. Over 24 games wore another measuring device and was rated every night before the game on their sleep. They either got a low, a medium, or a high rating, sure. right? High is your eight hours. Let's call low six or All less. All right, so let's compare this low and the high. How did it work out? All right, so low on their assists was 3.5, mm-hmm. right? Over 24 games, bad night's sleep, 3.5 assists. Their high... Eight assists. So this guy over the span of 24 games, which is in essence, you know, almost a third of the NBA season. So I think it's a legitimate sample size. Yeah. This NBA player, the impact was going from eight assists down to three and a half assists per game. That's okay, right. What about their points? Their points, 18.5 low. Mm-hmm. The very good result. 21.3 high. So on a better night's sleep, three points more. Three points more. And I know another stat you talked about before that I thought was interesting was the turnovers, right? That's right. So when he wasn't sleeping well. Five turnovers a game on average, but when he was, one turnover a game. Again, better focus, split-second decision-making, not getting into those risky behaviors. Yeah. Now, Frank Stanfield, I think this is kind of interesting because when we're reading off these kind of stats right now, that's a difference in DFS, man. Going from eight assists to 3.5 to four more turnovers a game, three more points a game. I don't know. Uh, Frankie Stanfield, what do you think? I mean, Benny Riccardi and Tony Sincata, they use like usage stats and pace stats of which teams are playing fast, but maybe we have found an inefficiency, Frank. What do you think? You buy this you think that um maybe we need to get like reports on who slept well last night well the proof is all in the pudding right there the stats don't lie that's what we say uh, everything's all about the numbers so i think that you know once i get this up on audio boom i'm gonna have to send this over to tony <laughs> i'm saying right so they can use this for their dfs research i think this forward. is legit we're gonna have to find out about this so so tomic and again we're talking to uh tomic gross this is dane martinez and tomic gross on the fantasy freestyle on the fantasy sports radio network my man tomic gross a sleep expert producer of sleepless in america that you can find on national geographic here's a question I have for you, man. You know, I'm reminded, and I know Frankie Stanfield knows about this, I'm reminded of Chip Kelly, who was the NFL coach, you know, with the Eagles, obviously made his bones at uh, University of Oregon, and he was big on this health, like what people were eating, what people were sleeping, you know, how much people were sleeping. What is really like the next horizon on this. How are some teams, and if you maybe even know, what teams are like ahead of the curve yeah. in this area, and what are they doing to be ahead of the curve? Yeah, so uh, um, the Seattle Seahawks are really kind of the okay. the team most well-known. Yeah, this. most well-known for sort of a, uh, thinking about sleep early. Richard Sherman okay. was saying a lot about how Pete Carroll, you know, is the complete coach and is making them all think about their sleep as well. But really what's happening is the leagues, like the NHL, like the NBA, NBA, you know, Adam Silver is taking a look at the travel schedule, yes. right? The NHL has already taken a look at the travel schedule. Okay. They're making sure that teams have nine hours mm. between when their flight lands on their on an away game before mm-hmm. they have to practice I the see. next day. Not even play, but, but just practice. get out there. Okay. A lot of people are, are recognizing that this is something to take into consideration. Right now, there's individual players who are at the forefront. Like I said, Richard Sherman, sure. Steph Curry, LeBron has talked about how in 2011 he credits a piece of the loss to the Mavericks uh-huh. in the finals to not having good sleep habits. Partying too much on South yep, Beach. And trying to turn that around. Yeah, well, he's just looking for excuses. The Giants, know. who you mentioned before, 
yeah. San Francisco Giants are very well known for consulting with sleep experts oh. when they put together their road schedules to make sure that the team has enough time to recover between games when they travel. So it's out there. People are paying attention. Okay. And I think you're going to, you know, if you're looking for that information, a lot of that information is there. Great. Let me ask you one more thing, Tomic, here. And remember, this is Speeds, the fitting statistician, and Tomic Gross on the Fantasy Freestyle. Um, even if you get a lot of sleep, yeah. let's say you're in that range, that eight hours of sleep. One thing during the football season that I was talking about were teams that are based on the West Coast mm-hmm. that fly east and then play a one o'clock Eastern time game yeah. on Sunday, like jet lag, right? So, you know, you could sleep. Eight hours a night. But then when you have that kind of jet lag and your body clock is thrown off, can you tell me a little bit about that? And let me couch it in this question. If you were one of these sleep consultants from a team, when should they fly? Should it be the night before the game, two days before the game, like so that your body can sort of normalize for optimum performance in, uh, you know, what is pretty high stakes an NFL game? Well, funny enough, there is a ton of research that's been done about this East Coast, West Coast football thing when it comes to Monday night football. Mm. And actually... Uh, as opposed to worrying about the West Coast teams who are coming east, the teams that are really losing out are the East Coast teams that are flying to the West. Really? And playing, Why is that? Playing these, you know, eight eight thirty oh, the night games, games. Playing the night games where because they think it's eleven thirty at night at kickoff. That's right. Oh, so it's the reverse. That's right. So it's worse to be have your body think it's eleven thirty at night when you're kicking off and you're almost ready for sleep than than uh, being west to east and playing when your body thinks it's ten a.m. Well, the 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 Monday night football games are at eight thirty, regardless right. of if they're on the east or the west coast. Right, so right, imagine right. a team happening on the west coast. Your west coast team is starting at five thirty. Mm-hmm. The bodies of your east coast team think, think it's eight thirty. I see. By the time the first quarter's over, yeah, those guys are kind of getting ready to go to bed. Listen, so if it's a if it's a tight game, these night games, if they're tight, if they're tight, I'm riding with the west coast team. Listen, late the, in late game situations. The, you got anything to back that up? The Tommy? west coast team, twenty five years of Monday night. NFL games, yeah. East versus West Coast. Yeah. The West Coast team wins 63% of the time really? by, by an average of two touchdowns. Wow. When the East Coast team won, the average margin of victory was nine points. Okay. So, so West Coast teams are blowing them out. They are blowing them out. Now, when you have West Coast team playing a West Coast team or an East Coast team playing an East Coast team, Normalized. it was about 45, 50%. Right, right. So, so there you, was no. So it's really when, and that the only variable there is the time zone difference. That's right. So your body clock is just, you know, a couple of hours later if you're from the East Coast. Yo, that is very interesting. Frankie Stanfield, I think uh, Atomic is giving us some stuff here that we could turn into cash money. I'm going to start betting on these West Coast teams. I'm telling you that. Can you stick around for a little bit, Tomic? You got it, man. Fantastic. When we come back, I'm going to still, you know, give my man Tomic the third degree about this sleep, but you know we have the TV tournament going on as well. We got big time matchups in the animated region I want to talk to you about. We'll check in on the polls. We'll uh, we'll see if uh, I can get some sleep myself. This is Dane (laughs) Martinez on the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. What it is, this is your boy Dane Martinez at Speeds the Spitting Statistician. You're listening to the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We are joined here by Tom McGross, sleep expert producer of Sleepless in America on the National Geographic channel. We're learning some good stuff. I got Frankie Stanford with me on the ones and twos, helping me blow up like a Samsung 7. One of the things I was talking to Tomic about during the break is, you know, and, and Frank, you can attest to this, aren't like NBA players notorious for like taking naps in the afternoon, maybe after right after practice? 
practice. So I ask you, Tomic, does that count as part of the eight hours of sleep? Is there anything out there that says that that's actually a good or bad strategy? All these NBA players maybe taking a nap at three o'clock and then playing at seven? Yeah. So uh, the science of napping, it, it shows that, you know, especially if you're short on sleep, a nap really does count towards that eight hours. Okay. It really does help you round it out. And the other thing to know about napping, there's lots of studies that show that, for example, if you're cramming for a test mm-hmm. and you take a short nap, you're going to do better on that test when you wake up than someone who is cramming right up to the last minute and never slept. So if they're installing new plays or something like that's that, right. you take or that they, nap and lock it in. That's right. They're thinking about coverage of you yeah. know of a certain player yeah. or how they're going to handle you know a certain situation. Sure. And we don't totally understand why that's that's happening yet. A lot of people think it's you know the brain is processing and practicing even when we're sleeping. So, but the bottom line is that napping is a good thing. Okay, and you mentioned things like turnovers in the NBA. Yeah, I would also think um, that there's some correlation to injuries. That's right across sports. That's, um, so that's how does right. that work? So uh, again, you know, if you think about your slower reaction time, your poor decision making, you know, less less able to to look ahead. So the the real sort of big study that was done on this by the National Institutes of Health teen athletes and uh, the studies done in teen athletes showed that student athletes who were getting less than eight hours of sleep of night were nearly twice as likely 1.7 times to have a sports related injury than those who got their eight plus hours so again those, those are pretty significant numbers all right no doubt they certainly are and frankie we're gonna have to get this info to benny riccardi and tony sincato when they're doing the dfs lineup lock for the basketball slates i think if we could find out for example that lebron got a bad night's yeah. sleep we might need to fade him if this because this is anybody thank you so much much You're welcome. for joining us here, Tom. I hope to have you back again here on a Fantasy Freestyle sometime. Uh, are you a fan of television? I, I am. All right, so you should know here that Speeds the Spitting Statistician, because, you know, it's March Madness and it's bracket, you know, frenzy. We are doing a contest here to uh, crown the greatest TV show of all time, and we're getting down towards the end. On yesterday's show, we had the Elite Eight, or excuse me, the Sweet 16 in the sitcom bracket. And the number one seeded Seinfeld took out the number five seed Curb Your Enthusiasm by getting 79% of the vote. You like that, Festivus Constanza? For sure, for sure. All right. And at the bottom half of that bracket, the chalk held true. The number two seed, The Office, Mm. defeated number three seed Cheers with uh, 64% of the vote. So now it'll be one seed Seinfeld up against two seed The Office to make it to the final four out of the sitcom region. How do you think that's going to break out? Now, is that the U.S. office or the U.K. office? People are allowed to think about it however they want. I think that's a good question, but we had to group them a little bit all together. For example, in the drama region, the uh, seven seed was Law and Order. Gotcha. And people asked the same kind of question, but it was talking about, you know, special victims, criminal intent, all of them. I think The Office is great, but nine seasons of Seinfeld, pretty perfect, went out on top, didn't burn it out. I think Seinfeld's got it locked. Fair enough. Well, today we turn our attention to the animated bracket where we have four contenders still remaining and a little bit of no out there. I've been catching a lot of flack from you guys on Twitter. Trollers are going to troll. People are talking about like, oh, the seating is so messed up. Oh, what about this? What I got to tell you is, in the sitcom region, we got the number one seed and the number two seed still standing. So someone who seated them knows what they're talking about. And the same thing can be said for the animated bracket. We got two matchups right now. We got polls up on that FNTSY radio and at Spitting Speeds. You can find them 
in the animated bracket, we have the upset of this region, the Cinderella of this region, the 13 seeded Looney Tunes huh. is still alive, but Much it's going respect. up against the number one seed, the Simpsons. And right now, it's closer than you might think, but with 59% of the vote, the Simpsons are ahead. I feel like that's probably right, but shout out to Looney Tunes, though, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a generational thing, it too. Could be. You know what I mean? I'm sure they broke a lot of boundaries, Looney Tunes, but the Simpsons, I mean, still <laughs> going time, strong. right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And in the other matchup we have here in hashtag animated region, the number two seed, South Park, mm. is going up against uh, the number six seed, who pulled up an upset in the last round. The number six seed is Beavis and Butthead. Wow. So we got Beavis and Butthead against South Park right now. Uh, Tomic, what do you think about that one? I think uh, I, I grew up on Beavis and Butthead, but South Park, man, they, it's just they've got more range. Yeah. They're, they're a triple threat. A triple threat, <laughs> as you are. And you are correct. Right now, South Park is holding strong with 73% of the vote. And again, to all you trollers out there, if these results hold true, that would mean the regional final in the sitcom is one seed versus two seed. That would also mean the regional final in the animated region would be one seed versus two seed. Shout out to the seeding committee for the TV greatest of all time. Hey, Frankie Stanfield, how do you think these are going to break out? you think it's going to be another one versus two in the regional final? I actually just voted. Okay. Thank so- you. Thank you. We appreciate the love. South Park is a, is a lock for me. That's a okay. shoe in because I grew up on that. I still watch it now. Honestly, I, I hope no one comes and tries to find me. I've never been a big Simpsons guy. Okay. So and you know what? They I, almost, I went with Looney Tunes. Okay, and I am mad at you. And I'm going to tell you something. In the previous round, Simpsons faced Family Guy in the 1-8 That's matchup. And it, and it only won. It was 51%. Yeah. It was really close. So I am mad at you. If Simpsons doesn't make it all the way through, first of all, they got to get past Looney Tunes and Frankie Stanfield's version for Looney Tunes. So who knows? But then they see South Park. I don't know. I'm going to tell you a little bit later. Later on this week, when we go to the reality region, uh, the number five seed in that region is the Real World Road Rules. We are going to once again have Irulan from the Las Vegas season. We interviewed her going into the first round. We're going to have her on the show again as uh, Real World has made it to the Sweet 16. We'll see how far they go. Checking in, checking in on another poll that we did. Remember, earlier in the show, I asked you guys, who would you prefer for your backup quarterback? And right now, with... Uh, 150 votes so far. 68% of you have Tony Romo as the answer. And I got to tell you something. I don't know how I feel about that. Tony Romo is, in essence, to take all you comic book guys that know, Tony Romo is Mr. Glass. So why would you want that guy as your backup? Because you only need him in an emergency, and then all of a sudden you're going to be trusting Tony Romo for a three, four, five-game stretch, and then he gets hurt too. I don't know if I feel that. I got to tell you something. I might ride with the blacklisted Colin Kaepernick. What do you think about this, Frankie Stanfield, if you needed a backup quarterback? Our J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Need, uh, you know, backup, starter, all sorts of things. No disrespect, Josh McCown. Ryan Fitzpatrick could have been another, uh, you know, nomination on this poll. What are you, where are you going with this, Frankie? Well, I thought it was a great point that you brought up with Tony Romo being made of glass. But not only that, he's a guy that if he's the backup, people are going to be clamoring for him to be the right, starter. Right, the fans, right. All of a sudden, the team gets off to a bad start or you're trying to develop a young kid. They're going to be people clamoring for Tony Romo. I think that's a very excellent point. Thanks so much to my man Frankie Stanfield. Yo, on the ones and twos, yet again, so hot that he sweats steam, hot to death like Corey Stringer. And of course, thank you so much to Tomic Gross and the Sleep Expert. Can we find that study, National Geographic? Can we see this, Sleepless in America? Yeah, they put it... 
they put it for free on uh, YouTube. Uh, just for sure. Check out Sleepless in America when you go into YouTube. Absolutely. So you can get it there. Day. Thank you to Tomic. Thanks to my boy Frankie Stanfull. Uh, we're going to keep going with that uh, TV tournament tomorrow. You can catch me, Dane Martinez, Speeds, the spitting statistician, on the Fantasy Freestyle five nights a week. You know what it is here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your boy. Aha!